This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Arif Roos, and as usual, on the phone lines is Mr. Daniel Fernandez. Say hello. Hello, and good evening, everybody. And it's um, disappointing that our good friend Richard cannot join us today because uh, there will be a car from his country. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, in this show, as usual, we have three parts. Part one, we have some news to go through. In part two, we have the new Honda Civic to talk about. And in part three, we have a used car review, a family car. Uh, and a car that's um, affordable yes very affordable for people like me not people like you with a big BFM salary I wish but of course without further ado let's do the news yes since there is quite a lot to talk about in the new segment we're going to start things off with a roundup and uh, Daniel what's this I hear about Hyundai Simon Darby launching their CPO business yeah, so what is CPO is basically the uh, you know used car business, right? So I don't know if you've been following this, but for years, Hyundai cars have had a disappointing resale value. And um, if you talk to a lot of used car dealers, you know, when, when you take in a used Hyundai, whether it's a Tucson, any Hyundai model, you know, Santa Fe, whatever. I mean, you, you own a Santa Fe, your family owns one. Yep. So everybody will say, oh, this is a cold car, brother, this one, huh? <laughs> Hi, this one the value are high. I'm I I help you lie, take some money lie, you know. <laughs> so that's that's how they do it. But then when you see them advertising it on the classifieds, you know, the price is on par with its Japanese rivals. Yep. So it was a mindset that was created over the years to basically push the price down of uh, Korean cars, which because, because even Kia has the same problem. Mm. But the dealers would put a huge margin. And then resell them. And then when people try and negotiate with the dealer to buy a Korean car, oh, this one, very high quality, wow, the strength, the steel, damn good one. Some more, wow, this car, VVIP owner, wow, doctor owner, wow, one owner, the usual lie. So Hyundai has decided, Hyundai Saimdabi has decided, okay, we'll take control of the used car business. We will keep our prices stable. We will show the used car dealers, hey, we are willing to take in used Hyundais at a sensible price and we'll sell back at a sensible price. And it comes in line with what um, Saimdabi as a group is doing now. They are going actively into the used car business. That's very good news because recently they launched their own platform, right? Yes, auto selection. Yes. The good thing about this Hyundai CPO business called Hyundai Promise is uh, that, of course, depending on the mileage and the age of the car, they say that the car will come with an extended warranty and that's between two to five years. So that's very, very good peace of mind. Yeah, strong commitment to, you know, to uplift the value of the brand. Yep. Anyway, another piece of news. Renault, the kings of EV sales in Europe with all of their little, little city cars, they are apparently joining forces with Geely. That's a bit of an interesting news, Daniel. Shocking, isn't it? I mean, when I saw the news a couple of days ago, I was like, hello, there's something wrong with this because <laughs> first of all, Renault as a group with Nissan and Mitsubishi and everything, the Alliance, they are doing quite well, you know, and in India, they're selling beyond belief. And they've got some models that are just for India alone. They've not even gone elsewhere. And then you've got Geely and Geely's, I mean, Geely is moving ahead very fast into new markets because of its alliance with Proton, of course, yeah. and the rebadging of their vehicles. So, why is Geely talking to Renault and Renault talking to Geely? Well, you know, the whole world, when it comes to electric vehicles, they've realized that we have to share technology, share battery production and everything else to make it more feasible for us to bring our cost price down so that we can be on par with petrol prices, you know? 
Yeah. Vehicles are running on petrol engines. So by working together, they hope that, you know, Renault can get into China. That's one thing. And then also Geely can get into South Korea because I don't know if you know this, but China-made cars don't do well in Korea at all. And it's vice versa, isn't it? Yes, it's an old, <laughs> ancient history, you know. But with this collaboration, I think both of them are seeing a, a way to, you know, expand their market reach. But I'm just asking this question. Okay, that's all this is great. But why aren't these two companies talking about doing this in Malaysia? Well, Renault doesn't really have a strong presence here anymore. And I guess Geely might have other plans with Proton. Yes, but you know, they've got such a strong presence. They've got 50,000 cars in their order book right now, yeah. undelivered. I mean, come on, it's time to bring in some of these great Geely electric vehicles. But never mind, leave it for another time. Moving locally, we do have some new rules for the MCO, obviously. Um, mm. Because we are still in phase one, Klang Valley residents at least, uh, these new rules don't apply. So all I want to say about it is BFM has done many, many different shows and you can go on our website, bfm.my, to find out all the details about it. Basically, for us in the Klang Valley, things don't change. Mm. However, in light of the new uh, loosening restrictions or the eventual loosening of restrictions, the JPJ has reminded the public to renew their road tax and driver's license by 30th September uh, as a grace period for expired taxes and uh, driver's licenses will end. They also add that post-Malaysia branches will be open, but it will be only on an appointment basis. No walk-ins entertained. That's what they want to stress. Yes, I actually went and tried uh, two days ago to get into post-Malaysia to renew one of my old car Rotex, which is third party. Yeah. And they said, sorry, by appointment only, we cannot let you in. Sorry, very, very sorry. And you have to go online to book your appointment. That means you can't go to the Post Malaysia outlet and talk to a staff out there and, and book your appointment. You must go online. So this is going to be very difficult for the slightly elderly people like me, you know? <laughs> so I'm, 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 I can feel the pain already of trying to get this sorted out as soon as possible, you know? Well, there is some big news, especially to do with uh, the Malaysian Automotive Robotics and IoT Institute, also known as MARI, the famous government agency that gave us the wonderful flying car mm. and um, electric cars that hasn't yet materialized. They have been doing something with Pekima, or Pekima uh, which are essentially the AP dealers, uh, the AP holders and dealers of Malaysia. And they've apparently signed a memorandum of agreement for the development of quote-unquote connected EV infrastructure and the establishment of an EV center of excellence, which is due to apparently come around in five years' time. At the moment, not much is known about what they mean by connected EV infrastructure, but EV center of excellence apparently refers to a, a place where mechanics upskill themselves to work on EVs or a place where you can find general information about electric vehicle ownership in Malaysia. It is in some ways very interesting, but there still is, you know, many, many different questions about what's going on here, isn't there, Daniel? <laughs> well, I'm the last person who should be saying anything because <laughs> I'm not in agreement with all this because A, number one, AP holders, first of all, you've already had your run of fantastic years selling cars, making tons of money. Now you want to do electric cars. And, and let me ask you this. When the OEM set up their base for electric cars, they have to talk about after sales, warranty, um, you know, over-the-air updates, spares for batteries and everything else. Because, yes, the wear and tear on electric cars is a lot less than on a petrol or diesel car. But you still have a lot of functioning parts that are unique to electric car. And you must have some common expertise to do it. Now, A, you want to start bringing in recon-used electric cars. 
possibly from UK because in the UK, they have a lot of grants for electric cars and then they can get these cars at a sensible price when they're one year old. We've already seen some AP holders bringing in the Porsche Taycan and the Honda e. Mm. But are they going to be able to take care of these people? Now, at the point of sale, of course, you're going to say, hey, don't worry, brother. I sell you this car. I got packed up. I got everything. Now, if something goes wrong, do you think they're going to honor it? That's number one. Number two, you're working with the Malaysian Automotive Association or whatever they call themselves. I find this really funny because why? First of all, this is not your area of expertise. This is not mm. something that you should be doing. You're a think tank for the Malaysian automotive uh, industry, you know? Which is, I guess, why, you know, them talking about flying cars and autonomous stuff isn't too far-fetched. It's more of the yes, idea yes. that we was... <laughs> they should be working with OEMs, which is established car manufacturers, on how to expand this whole EV process. They should be talking to Perdua and Proton, because why? They are national cars. They should take the, the lead in bringing yep. in low-cost EVs for general Malaysians to own. But instead, they are working with AP holders, so are going to bring in luxury EV cars, and then... The luxury EV car manufacturers like BMW, Porsche, Mercedes, Audi, Jaguar Land Rover, Lexus, they will turn around and say, what's the point in doing the business? And they mm. pay full tax. These guys don't pay full tax. So again, the Malaysian government is going to lose out, but certain individuals are going to gain from this. Very, very true. There's a great point there. And then now they say they want to do all this signing ceremony. All Anybody can sign anything. I can go and sign so many things. Whether it comes true or not in the next three or five years is a different thing. They had a signing ceremony, nice picture taking and all that. I want to know, during lockdown, how do you do this? <laughs> I just want to know, during lockdown, how do you do this? There's pictures of all of them standing and taking a picture. Who gave the approval for this? Never mind, let's put all that aside. I'm not the, the medical council in Malaysia or the medical association to question all this. But you shouldn't be pushing all this right now. The most important thing right now is to talk, I mean... If these guys are going to do this, this this project, it's very clear that they're trying to get some incentive to put rapid charges in their outlets, in their sales yeah. outlets. Okay? Yeah. Now, they put the rapid charges there, not for the general public who have EVs to enjoy. No. It's for them to sell an EV. The infrastructure should be out there in public, along the highway, in the major cities, in the east coast of Malaysia, in Kuantan, Trungano, Kelantan, which allows people to take the EV further, you know? Not to have it in car showrooms. And the thing is, I mean, you know, we, we did an article just this morning on this. And, you know, we, we, we highlighted the fact that way back in 2012, there was a company called First Energy Network. Okay? Yep. First Energy Network is part of the Tanchong Group. And that's when they launched their first Nissan Leaf. They already invested in EV infrastructure. Yep. And they allowed it for the Renault Zoe and the Mitsubishi IMEV to be charged. So it was a collective thing, right? Yep. Now, by 2014, they already had charges all around the country. I think by the end of 2014, they signed a deal with uh, iGEM, you know, mm. uh, with Green Tech and everything else to push this even further. But they were never given a helping hand by, you know, Mari was formerly called MEI and MITI. Yep. It was an initiative by a private company. Today, that private company has almost given up on the whole EV thing because why? There is nothing to promote it for them. Yep. And they've got 19 charging stations around the country, including Sarawak. What's going to happen to all of these, you know, first energy mm. networks and, and um, all of these energy charging station providers when this happens? Exactly. 
a lot of money was invested. And you know, most of that money was also invested because at that point, they were also talking to Comos. I don't know if you know Comos. I don't. Okay, Comos was set up by some ex-big wigs in Malaysia to do electric car sharing. Yeah. And it was a very good project. They had some cars at KL Central. They had some cars in, in KLCC. And basically, you, you know, it's like what they did in France. And they were using yep. Renaults. And now Comos is already closed. Um, if you go to their website, comos.com.my, you can actually see used electric cars for sale because the project has failed because the parties that should have been involved were not involved. Instead, now they're involved with AP holders to do the same thing. Mm. So what does that tell you? <laughs> Nothing good, if I'm honest. Yeah, well, I don't want to say anything anymore. I've said too much already. To leave it on the balance. It's difficult for us to say anything positive about this, mainly because, uh, you know, we... We read all about it, and to be honest, there's no visible roadmap, plan, or cost projections. We don't know how this entire idea will fit into the big picture of the, yes. you know, Malaysian automotive industry. And no matter what we think about AP holders, they look to be a part of our auto industry for the near future. And it would give us a lot more confidence if we could see how this whole EV ecosystem will work. Yes. But as you know, as what we've explained in so many episodes of Cruise Control. Uh, there is no EV roadmap to speak of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they really want to be... Okay, are they going to install uh, rapid chargers outside their showrooms? I want to know that. Are they going to invest yeah. that kind of money to put it out in public places? I don't think so. I think they're all me, myself and Isla, you know? Anyway, let's talk about some car launches. That we'll have to do after the break, though. Okay. we got to head to the break, unfortunately, because we've ran out of time in this part. But uh, that was a quite an interesting topic to uh, discuss, especially in terms of EV infrastructure development in Malaysia. But in part two, as Daniel said, we're going to talk about something more interesting and something more relevant to us in the present at the moment. Tune in for part two on BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Arfus, and as usual, on the phone lines with me is Mr. Daniel Fernandez. Say hello. Hello and good evening, everybody. Right now, we're going to go through some car launches and the biggest talk of the town this past week is uh, the new Lamborghini Countach, which we don't have any details about. Nobody has any details about. It was just like a teaser. It was a teaser. It was a one-minute video posted on all of their social media. The internet went wild because do they really need to revive the Lamborghini Countach? I think it's because of the name. You know, there's a lot of people out there now who are buying Lamborghinis because it's a go-to brand when it comes to, you know, being exotic. And um, they've had the best year ever in terms of sales. Their numbers are growing. Uh, of course, the Urus SUV has helped them a lot, just like it, it, it helped uh, Porsche, with, you know, the Cayenne helped Porsche, you know, SUVs, you know. Yeah. And uh, Aston Martin also has a DBX, which is an SUV. So, of course, SUVs are selling beyond belief. So, Lamborghini has to bring something back, something like a hero product. And I think because the Kuntag name has been around for such a long time, it's an it's a iconic name. You know, and if you think about it, I mean, when I was growing up, I didn't have a poster of it on my wall. I had a Porsche 911 because that was my dream car. But mm. every other friend of mine, if he had a dream car on his wall, it'll be a Kunta because it was just so outlandishly ridiculous, you know, the shape. Yep, yep. You know, 
it was a wedge. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, and I remember the first time sitting in a kuntak, which was maybe about 30 years ago, you couldn't see out left, you couldn't see out right, you couldn't see out back and also. You can only see straight in front. <laughs> yes. You know, so that means this guy is not for reversing, not for going left and right, just go straight. The, the famous videos is always watching somebody who has to sit outside the Kuntaj to reverse a car into a parking lot. Yes, yes. Anyway, um, next car that was launched in Malaysia, or rather half-launched, is the new Range Rover Velarbe. And I say half-launched because it's technically just been a technological update to their P250 R Dynamic, which is the mid-range version of their Range Rover Velar. And uh, as mentioned, you know, no changes to the exterior, same engine, 2-liter turbocharged four-cylinder. But on the inside, you get new adaptive suspension, a new shifter, which is now a toggle, not a wheel like all of the Jaguar Land Rovers used to have, and a brand new steering wheel, which it's it's all right, I guess. Yeah. In terms of technology, though, uh, what they've added is quite a lot. The first thing is the active road noise cancellation thing, which I think Lexus had at one time. And the other thing that they have is a new set of screens right in front of you and beside you. Uh, that features a fancy new surround view camera with a new 3D image of the car and its surrounding, mm. even something called ground view to see if your bumper can clear the pavement that you're about to park on. It has also this thing called weight sensing, which I think debuted in the latest Range Rover or the Land Rover Discovery, which alerts you if the car is getting into uncomfortable territory in deep waters. Right. Flat, flat problems. A car that I think a lot of us are going to be expected to see on the roads has just been launched in Thailand, and it's the new Honda Civic. Now, this is a shocking car, man. This is really a shocking car. Shocking? Why, Why I say shocking is because if you look at the sheer size of this car, it's grown in size, it's almost the size of a Honda Accord from two generations ago. Agreed, agreed. It is And massive. it's a Civic. Can you remember the first Civic, how small it was? Uh, and, basically the size of a Kanchil. It was smaller than a Kanchil. It was two doors. The first Civic in 1970 was really small. It was compact car. Now it's a big four-door fastback. I mean, this car, is, it's, it's a sensible size. It's an executive car. It's a business sedan, you know? Yeah. And the good thing is, Honda decided, okay, of course, this is for Thailand, but whatever goes on in Thailand also happens in Malaysia because we all share factory and everything else. Yeah. Uh, only the 1.5 turbo engine. So the 1.8 normal aspirated engine has been discontinued. To be honest, I think good riddance because the 1.5 liter seems to be better in every respect. True. And they've got 20 newton meters of torque more in this car now. The unfortunate thing is that uh, obviously, you know, the car, the Honda Civic, I think it's the best looking Honda mm. Civic ever. Yes, yes. It, it looks very sporty mm. and the interior looks very sporty as well. The new turbocharged 1.5 liter, I think that makes about 190 horsepower, a right. lot of torque. And they've decided to pair it with a CVT gearbox, which kind of ruins all the sporty credentials mm. that it's supposed to have. True, you know? but you know, it, it's, it's common sense because why? You know, most people are going to drive it in traffic along the highway, you know, the time for Honda to be a racing sports sedan is has gone. And if they wanted to, they'll bring the Type R with the manual gearbox, you know? In Thailand, they are launching the Civic RS model, which gets basically all of the kit, right? Yes, and you know, that interior looks really nice. It is. It's fantastic looking. It car. looks almost like a European car interior. I agree. The new Honda design language on the interior, right? That, Correct. that was Correct. debuted in the Accord as well. Yep. So as mentioned, you know, the Civic RS gets everything. So you get auto wipers, ambient lighting, dual zone climate. You get a new nine-inch touchscreen system with Apple CarPlay or Android Auto. And even, remember last week with the new Mercedes E-Class, how they had the Mercedes Me app that yes. can alert what's happening to your car without being there. Right. 
Honda has that now, and it's called Honda Connect. Mm. And that will come as standard in Thailand on the Civic RS. Interesting fact, which we must share with readers is, I mean, sorry, uh, to our listeners, sorry, <laughs> is the price. The price starts at 122,000 ringgit in Thailand. Yeah. Now, the previous Honda Civic, when it was launched, its price started at 118,000 ringgit. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of Malaysians said, oh, you know, Malaysia car price is very high. Like we're one of the highest in Asia. Actually... When this car arrives in Malaysia, it'll probably be around the same price. So we are no longer the most expensive, you know, in Asia. I mean, put Singapore aside, you know, <laughs> yeah. we are almost on par with Thailand and Indonesia. So we're not getting such a bad deal in terms of car pricing. And I think we don't get a bad deal in, with this new Honda Civic at all. Yes, yes. I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's going to be another runaway success for Honda. And again, it's going to remain in the number one spot for its segment. You know, speaking of the size, there was an article that was related to the Honda Civic and it asked basically, have cars become as big as they can? Will they become smaller in the future? Because right now we have, you know, the Honda E, they have this new car called the Citroen Ami, which is basically a golf cart with doors. Cars can become smaller already. I think new nameplates, like the Honda E is a new name, right? All will be electric cars for sure, will be smaller because why? They have to be lighter. To get better driving distance, it got to be you know more compact for you know battery storage and everything else. And also, they don't need so much space because there's no more engine. That's true. And families are getting smaller. People don't have nine kids anymore because they can't afford it. Yep. Of course, you'll still have huge SUVs which will be electric also. You know, yep. and then you'll have these really small compact cars with new nameplates that will continue to be small. Meanwhile, the traditional nameplates like Civic and Accord and Camry and and Corolla and all will continue to grow. Trust me, they'll continue to grow. We've got uh, a couple of launches from Proton that went out on Thursday, and they are the new Proton Iris and Persona. And uh, I will say new in quotes because this isn't a new car. It's essentially a second round of facelift for the new Proton Iris and Persona. It's just to keep the, the, the showroom a little bit active. So they've just done, you know, I wouldn't even say nip and tuck. I would just say just a tuck, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the biggest change is with the second car. What is it? It's the Iris. <laughs> I'm chuckling, you know why? Because I found this quite funny. Now, we all know that the Iris has been around for some time. It's an attractive car. There's nothing wrong with it. But now they've come up with an Iris that's called Active. So it's been raised a little bit. It's been given some bolder wheel arches. It's got some black finishing on the front and rear. So what is it for? It's supposed to preach to people of my age group. Okay, I will say, <laughs> not your age group, is targeted at people who want to buy the Perdua Ativa and can't get you know a slot in because the car is selling like hotcakes. So Proton has decided, let's make our iris active, you know, yeah. raise it a little bit, give it that crossover look, and then price it at 55,000 ringgit which is almost 15,000 ringgit lower than the high-spec Ativa, you know? Good point. Alternatively, you could look at it as, remember they launched the Axia Active also. Exactly, yes, yes, yes. Same exact treatment, slightly taller, but with bollards all around the car. Yes, but the Axia is a smaller vehicle. I mean, the Ativa and this are basically almost same in terms of size, cabin size. Important stuff to note about this car is um, you don't get the active throughout the range of the Iris. You only yes. get it as the top model. So if if you want the Iris active, you have to spend the most money to buy an Iris. 55,000 ringgit. 
luckily you do get a lot of things as well in the car um for starters you get different bumpers from the facelifted iris you get new racy front lights that are kind of blinged with led like sort of like the beza advance uh you got black roof with rails rear spoiler new wheels and on the inside it gets a little bit extra with the red because there's literally red trims around the carpets, red seat belts, metal pedals and everything, which is all show and no go. But at the end of the day, I'll tell you this, it will sell. Yep. It yep. will sell because that, that really nice blue color, you know, somehow or other I'm just drawn to that color with the little red bits and pieces here and there. And then, of course, that, that black cladding all around and then the rear spoiler and then the roof rail. It just works for some people, you know, and they just want this, you know. Anyway, so that's uh, two new protons in the showroom. Two facelifted protons in the showroom right now. Selling like hotcakes, you think? I think the Persona, no. But the Iris with this new look, yes. At 55,000, there'll be enough people wanting to take it home. Well, there you have it. Coming up in part three, uh, stay tuned because we are going to be talking about an affordable car, but also an affordable car for the family, which we know by our listenership stats that people seem to enjoy more than our random BMW and Mercedes reviews. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Arif Roos, and as usual, on the phone lines with me is Mr. Daniel Fernandez. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, and good evening, everybody. Thank you for still listening in to us. So, in part one, we spoke about EV infrastructure development in Malaysia, how a government agency and the AP car dealers are doing something at the moment. We're not sh- quite sure what, but they are doing something, apparently. In part two, we spoke about the brand new Range Rover Velar the hot new Honda Civic and a Proton Iris and Persona. But in this part, we are going to be talking about something that's a bit more affordable and a bit more friendly to uh, our wallets. And that is the Nissan Livina X-Gear. Now, the timing of this, this used car review is perfect. I'll tell you why. Because you just saw the Proton Iris Active, right? Yeah. 55,000 ringgit, brand new car. It's got all that little, uh, you know, like little crossover look, right? Yep. Then... We talk about a used car from Tanchong, the Livina X Gear. It has almost the exact same treatment. Exactly, it's got <laughs> that crossover look, the little black cladding, those yep. you know, those the, little bit raised off the ground, and then it's got those roof rack, which actually works to carry up to twenty-five kilos worth of weight. That's not a false roof rack; that's a real roof rack. Hmm. So the reason why we're talking about the X Gear uh, this week is very simple. Over the last few months, we've been talking about. Luxury cars which have depreciated to a very low level. We're talking like 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 for a really expensive luxury car which used to cost four, five, six hundred, seven hundred thousand ringgit. Mm-hmm. This week we thought let's talk about something which is the general public are talking about right now because why? With COVID still you know, ravaging our country and everywhere else, and people are still having tough times, even those with jobs. They're still worried about next year and the following year. So they, they don't want to spend that much money. So maybe they don't want a brand new Proton Iris Active or a brand new Persona. Maybe they just want something that's as good looking as that, but maybe, you know, has already depreciated and I can still have that crossover look. 
So we stumbled upon the X gear. Now, how did we stumble upon the X gear was this. Someone actually came to us asking us how much would a Perdua Alza cost, okay, to mm. buy second hand. They were also thinking of doing some kind of part-time, not say catering, but food delivery business, you know, from yeah. their own kitchen. So instead of using a, a food delivery service, they will deliver to a collection point. So they wanted something a little bit like a wagon, you know, something that can can fold down the seats and have a bit of space. So the Alza was the first choice that they thought about because it's like a station wagon. It's got a lot of space. It's got a simple engine. It's super reliable. And the best part is, you know and I know that Perduas don't break down, right? They don't, no. Right. So I started looking for Alzas. And and if you look on the, the, the classifieds, a 9 to 10-year-old Perdua Alza sells for between 24000 to 33000 the thing is now, these Alzas, I noticed that once they go above 8, 9, 10 years, they actually, you know, the interior starts to get a little bit tatty, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were high mileage, which also takes into the assumption that a lot of people who bought these Alzas to start with, some of them use it for ride sharing, some of them use it for, you know, parcel delivery, because it made a lot of sense. And in fact, I have a friend who's been using it as a parcel delivery vehicle for the last two years. Yep. And when I asked him about the running costs and all, he said, no, no problem. It's, it's reasonably cheap and, you know, parts are easy to get and everything else. But he said, the interior doesn't last as long and this and that. So I told him, I said, if you wanted to sell your car, he said, oh, I still can get a good value. Now, that's because of the Perdua name, okay? Mm-hmm. But then I, while I was looking through all these classifieds, and then I was talking to one dealer and accidentally, by accident, sorry, you know, I keep using the word by accident because he said, hey, brother, why don't you take an X gear? And I never thought about the X-Gear. X-Gear just totally gone past my mind. The X-Gear was uh, essentially a different trim line to the Livina, right? Completely different trim line. The Livina was basically a seven-seater. It was slightly longer. It came out earlier. It's about 12 years old already now. And the Livina had a very station wagon look, you know, and no cladding, no fancy wheels, nothing. But it served a very good purpose at 90,000 ringgit because it's, it had three rows of seats, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, this car has only got two rows of seats. So, it's got a reasonably sized boot, but it's also shorter than the Livina. But the boot is deep. It goes down a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. So, you got quite decent amount of space. And when you put the rear seat down, you can actually put a lot of barang at the back, you know? Mm-hmm. Quite, good, quite good space because it's got a high roof. Now, when I looked at the X gear pricing, I was really surprised because this car, when it was launched, was almost 80 plus thousand ringgit. I think it was 84, 800 or something like that. Now, 10 years later, in the used car market, because it's not very popular, it's not thought about much. And you know, the price is between 18 to 28,000 ringgit. Pretty good. Yes. So very why, affordable. Yeah. So why is the 10,000 difference? Very simple. Because over a span of maybe four years, the X gear got a little bit of a facelift, a little bit of an upgrade in terms of the, you know, the front grille and the wheels and the interior and everything else. So if you take a slightly newer model, it'll be about 28,000 to 29,000. You take the first generation model is between 17 to 18. All this is checking on classifieds, making a couple of phone calls. You know, we've not actually gone there and seen the car and done hard bargaining. But yep. when you look at the car and you look at the interior pictures, which you can find on DSF, we shared the pictures. Most of it is one owner cars. Most of it is in very good condition. Most of it has got no interior trim damage or neglect at all. Yep. So this was a very well-built car that came from Tanchong and 1.6 liter, 16 valve, all aluminum, four-cylinder engine. You know, it had 103 brake horsepower, 150 newton meters. Fuel consumption was rated at 13.8 kilometers per liter. This was a very, very good product, which a lot of people did not think about. But today, at this price, okay, say you get an average age, one owner, 
low mileage, you're looking at about 20,000 ringgit. And for 20,000 ringgit, I told my friend, I said, listen, you get this car, you use it for the next five to 10 years, you know? Mm-hmm. How much can it depreciate at the most another 10,000? I don't think it will. I think it's almost bottomed out. Yeah, you're probably right because the older version of this is actually, if you think about it, the Nissan AD Resort. Uh, yes, okay. And today, a Nissan AD Resort in terrible condition will go for 8,000. Good condition will go for between fifteen to 20,000. Mm. So this is basically, it's not going to depreciate that much more or you might just stay at this price. So at eighteen or 17,000 ringgit, if you're really strapped for money, you're going to get a decent built Datsun, uh, sorry, Nissan 1.6 litre engine. It's going to have enough power to go outstation if you need to go outstation. It'll carry a family of five comfortably, no issue. There's plenty of legroom at the back. You've got luggage room at the back. You've got that crossover look. What else do you need? It really looks like a car for the home entrepreneur of which there are many these days, right? Yes. And then that roof rail actually has a load carrying capacity of 25 kg. It's not just for show. So you've got pretty good all-rounder. Now, if you're really going to search for one, do the normal checks like, you know, full service history, check for accident, check for flood damage, make sure all the trim is intact. When you drive it, make sure the gear changes properly. Make sure the engine doesn't make noise. You know, these cars, are the engines are so quiet. The only thing that makes noise is the aircon compressor. That's true. So, Nissan Livina X-Gear, about 20,000 ringgit. I think this 10-year-old Japanese car is a very good consideration if you're really on a budget and you need a family car. I totally agree. And I think I would extend that to even if you don't have a family, but you are looking for you know a spacious car that's a runabout in the Klang Valley. And if you need to go to outstation to, for example, deliver some supplies or deliver some products to your customers, it's a pretty great car. It's slightly raised. It's got a good entry to the boot. Plenty of space, as Daniel mentioned. It's actually a really, really good shout, Daniel. <laughs> yes, and you know, think if you think about it, remember you were asking me for a station wagon for you to do your little part-time furniture re- restoration business? This will be perfect, dude. I think that's part of why that uh, I suddenly warmed up to this idea. But um, it's an interesting car, Daniel. Definitely one to think about. But there weren't that many of these examples, were there? Uh Surprisingly, if you go online, I found at least 30, 40 on sale and just one car classified, just one. That's interesting because I would have thought everybody bought the Grand Livina, like the big one. There were more of the Grand Livinas on the road. And the thing is, you probably will say to me, you know, I've never seen one on the road. And that's what I thought. But after I did research on this and I started driving around doing a few errands, I actually noticed a few on the road. So they're actually on the road. But the problem is they're all silver in color and they're so camouflaged in the surroundings that you don't notice them, you know? Final word on this Nissan Livina X gear. I think, honestly, if you're looking for a family car and you're on a tight budget and you know for the next few years you don't want to lose too much money on a car, this is something you should consider. Fantastic. Thank you for that review, Daniel. You're most welcome. That does it for this week's show. Obviously, we're missing Richard, but we went through three parts this week. We had a little bit of a news roundup, but we then spoke a little bit about Mari and Pakima's partnership on developing electric vehicle infrastructure in Malaysia. Uh, and then in part two, we spoke about the updated Range Rover Velar, Honda Civic that was recently launched in Thailand and the facelifted Proton Iris and Persona. In part three, you just heard... A family car that uh, not a lot of us thought about, the Nissan Livina X-Gear, yours for 20,000 ringgit. That's a pretty interesting one. 
as usual if you miss any part of this show you can head to our website bfm.my to listen to the podcast again you, you can head to spotify or any of the podcast apps if you want to read any of these articles on the topics uh, that we spoke about today head to dsf.my as well you can also find us on instagram at bfm cruise control if you want to see some nice pictures of the stuff that we talk about on a weekly basis. On behalf of Daniel Fernandez, my name is Arif Roos. This has been Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.